Welcome to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, not back here with your co-host, Chris, the fantasy expert. But in his place, another one of my good friends is on the show this week. Luke Brown is joining us on the show. He's been on here one time before, and he has his own website, his own YouTube channel. Luke Luke Brown Sports Talk is the name of his website. I've mentioned it on the show before. And again, he's joined us on the show before. So, Luke, it's great to have you. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Calvin. It's a, it's a lot of fun. So, like I mentioned, Luke has his own website and YouTube channel. So, why don't you tell the listeners all about it before we get started? Yeah, thanks, Calvin. Um, I run my own, uh, not really fantasy sports, but just a sports website and a sports podcast. I actually just released uh, another episode of the podcast yesterday where I talked about the retirement of legendary UNC coach Roy Williams. Um, I talked about some of the uh, NFL draft and Tom McShay's new mock draft and, and uh, a little bit other other uh, topics from around the world of sports. So go check it out. Uh, you can go to my Instagram or Twitter at LB Sports Talk, LB underscore Sports Talk, and it has all the links and everything you need right there. All right. Yeah, you should go check it out. I definitely recommend it. The website looks awesome and uh, has a lot of great articles on there. So uh, today, over the next few weeks, really, what we're going to be doing on the podcast is doing positional previews for the NFL draft. And we're going to start with quarterbacks. Uh, the first, or we're going to do, be doing them for the four main positions in fantasy football. And we've got about nine different quarterbacks here that we're going to talk about just as well as like their fantasy outlook. We can talk about like their talent valuations so just in general their talent how we think they're going to do in the nfl but also maybe fantasy impact potential landing spots it's going to be a lot of fun and chris should be back next week for the running back episode but we've got luke on here for quarterbacks and uh i guess luke if you're ready we can get started yeah i'm ready all right so let's start off with quarterbacks and i think the consensus number one quarterback this year is obviously trevor lawrence He's the guy that is expected to go number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The guy that Urban Meyer has said he's leaning to number one overall. And I mean, while I, there are some other talented quarterbacks in this class, I think Lawrence is the clear number one pick NFL wise. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that some people are even saying that he's the best prospect that we've seen since, um, since Peyton Manning all the way back. And I believe it was 1998. Um, and I don't agree or disagree with that statement but he definitely is one of the best prospects that I've seen in my lifetime um and uh, yeah he's the consensus number one pick and I think that there's no way that the Jaguars go up to the board and say a, a name other than Trevor Lawrence at the number one spot this year yeah and I mean I think in my opinion there are players who have ceilings higher than Lawrence for example I think Zach Wilson is he's a guy that I really really like when watching his film I decided I mean his arm strength is absolutely ridiculous and I like how he I mean I like how he plays the game he's a mobile quarterback his like I said his arms is ridiculous he just makes he's incredibly accurate too it's not like he can just throw it far but not accurately he's an accurate passer as well and he's very elusive and I mean, he has good awareness as well, but I think for NFL purposes, because Lawrence is such like, he's as close to you, as close as you can get to like a guarantee as a franchise quarterback. I think he's the number one pick NFL wise, but for fantasy, I think it's going to be interesting. He's got some weapons. Obviously the Jaguars signed Marvin Jones over the off season to go with DJ Chark, and they have James Robinson at running back. Who's emerging into one of the league's studs at the position. I think Lawrence definitely has potential to sneak into that 
top 12 tier over the next year, but I don't know if his ceiling is really that high. So he may be like a solid QB two for me in fantasy. If he gets to goes to the Jaguars. Yeah, I, I definitely can see that. And, and what you said about Zach Wilson. Yeah. I think that, that the reality is that, that Zach Wilson has a better ceiling or a better outlook than some people are saying. Uh, yeah. But yeah, as a fantasy, like, yeah, the, the Jaguars brought in some really, really good pieces this offseason, but is it enough to to really, really boost Trevor Lawrence's fantasy value in the first year of his playing career? And I don't think that the question, the answer to that question is yes. I think, I think to go, if you're looking at a lot of quarterbacks that are on the board in your draft come late, late summer, and Trevor Lawrence is one of them, and like, let's say, I don't know, like, uh, trying to think of some random, like Jared Goff or somebody like that, you might want to take the the guy who's played in the league a little while over Trevor Lawrence, at least this year. Yeah, and then when you look at like the borderline QB1, QB2 options for redraft leagues, guys come up like Ryan Tannehill, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford. It's hard not to take those guys over Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah, but I mean, I think he's still going to have fantasy value. And in the future, I believe he'll be a year in, year out QB1. It's just not this year just because, I mean, there's going to be some bumps along the way. He's going to he'll probably start off with a couple of maybe not so hot games, start off subpar, and just as he's getting used to the NFL, but I think he's going to be a franchise, a good franchise quarterback and, I mean, a QB1 eventually in fantasy. Yeah, I think that he, I think that he end up will being the franchise quarterback for the Jaguars, obviously. Um and I think that that's going to go well. I don't, I don't see any scenario where it's like, uh, he, like, why would they pick him like 20 years down the road? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I think Lawrence is definitely one of the easier players to project in terms of fantasy wise, but this next guy, Zach Wilson is a guy that people have a lot of different opinions on. And I've seen it throughout fantasy football Twitter through football Twitter people love to love to love Zach Wilson love to hate Justin Fields and the other way around as well there's been I've been involved in many debates as well but I mean I actually have Zach Wilson as my QB1 talent wise in my quarterback rankings for fantasy I don't know if it's going to be that in year one just because he's going to a team in the Jets that really doesn't have like they have even less weapons than Jacksonville and that's going to be tough in year one but the Jets do have a lot of cap space, so I think they could build a foundation for him in the future. Yeah, I like the point that you made about about where his uh, most likely landing spot will be, and that's the Jets, because the margin between the Jaguars and the Jets was very, very slim, slim to none. I mean, the Jets were pretty much the, the team that everybody was making fun of the whole year until the Jaguars came and stole the number one pick after a couple mm-hmm. late late season uh, wins from the Jets, but I I do like Zach Wilson, um, and I I like him more in the month of March than I did in the month of February. Uh, in February, I kind of looked at him like, oh, uh, this is just the kid from BYU. He didn't play that that great of teams. Uh, I think the only ranked team that they played all season was Coastal Carolina. Uh, I forget who their bowl game was against, and I think they lost. Um, but then after seeing his pro day, I mean, I know that pro days aren't going to be as authentic or as important as the combine usually is, but the, but his pro day was truly something special. And that's real. That's coming from me who, who I've pretty much hated on pro days a lot because 
it's just it's just like you you probably are getting like three four attempts to do mm-hmm. your 40 and you're not playing against any defenders things like that but he, the throws that he was able to make I don't know if you saw Calvin but but the throws that he made on the run uh, downfield, they were just tremendously impressive. And I think that really boosted his draft stock. And I think that he's now the consensus um, QB2 in this draft over over Justin Fields, which I don't necessarily agree with, but he is going to go to the Jets. And fantasy-wise, I think that I think that he'll be he'll be decent in, in year in year one. Uh, but his ceiling is very high, fantasy-wise and elsewhere. Yeah, I would agree. And I think he's a better, because of the year issues in year one, I think he's a better asset for Dynasty, where you can just hold on to him for multiple years, and then he'll maybe break out then. But I do agree with you that his ceiling is really high, and I was also really impressed by his pro day. And also, I mean, something that was pointed out, I saw by Chris Sims on Twitter, he said that, I mean, Zach Wilson's sort of dealing with like a new kind of pressure at his pro day. I mean, it's still intense pressure, where he is like trying to impress these scouts, obviously coming from a smaller school, people might be skeptical. He didn't play in the power five, but his arm, like you said, is absolutely ridiculous. And his ability to place a ball in his receiver's hands from 60, 65 yards away with pinpoint accuracy gives me, uh, reminds me of Patrick Mahomes. And I know that's obviously a stretch to compare Zach Wilson, the player to Patrick Mahomes, the player, because one of them is completely unproven. But I mean, that, trade of his is something that we is is rarely seen his arm is definitely the best in his class I would say and the fact that he's also has a mobility and has awareness and can see the blitz and can escape the pocket at the right time that makes me think that he could be a generational talent in this class you know I was actually just thinking of the exact same comparison between Patrick Mahomes just the way that he's able to to not only throw the ball but also place it um very very well I think that that is very Mahomes like and that is an overstatement because Mahomes did go to the power five and Mahomes has already proven himself in the league but the way that he plays reminds me a lot of of Mahomes yeah and I mean the knock on his schedule I mean let's be honest Zach Wilson's schedule he played three top 25 teams this year that's I mean not any I don't it might have been two two or three top 25 teams this year Patrick Mahomes was playing Big 12 defenses, which while Big 12 defenses tend to get too much hate for being bad, they're still definitely like that's not, definitely not a conference that's known for its defense. So, I mean, it's not like Mahomes is playing like SEC teams like Alabama and uh, all of that and like Georgia and Auburn, crazy defenses like that. So, I mean, I don't think and I also think just because of what Zach Wilson showed on the field that we don't really have to worry too much about that schedule. But I mean, I can understand where people have concerns there. Um, let's see. Okay. So I guess we can move on to number three. I I mean, the consensus number three, this guy isn't actually my number three, just because I'm a little bit off on him. I definitely see Justin Fields' talent. And I definitely think that he is the best prospect in a while that Ohio state has produced better than Dwayne Haskins, JT Barrett, Terrell Pryor, all those guys because of his talent. And I do think there are some concerns with his game, but Luke, I'd like to hear what you think first about Justin Fields, um, heading into this draft. All right, I'm, I I think I'm a little bit higher on uh, Justin Fields than than it sounds like you are. But first, uh, kind of according to what what we're talking about, and like two minutes late, I wish I would have seen this two minutes ago. 
Uh, but it sounds like the Jets have committed to Zach Wilson and started to recruit his family for him to be a Jet. That's according to Steve Young via KNBR. Uh, and I think that's in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting that that it's, it kind of sounds like they're sold on Zach Wilson. But but Justin Fields, I do I do like Justin Fields, and I like him better than Zach Wilson. Um, because Fields has had to play some tougher teams. And I know that you just kind of said about uh, the strength of schedule and how that's kind of a weak argument. But the reality is that the Justin Fields has been playing Big Ten, Big Ten teams uh, instead of the teams that BYU has played all season. And, and I just think that the Justin Fields is a little bit more mobile. Um, well, I, he definitely is more mobile. Um, and I saw his 40 time was pretty close to to uh, Michael Vicks, which, I mean, he probably got a couple attempts there, but still, that's <laughs> that's fast, um, and that's real fast. Could I mean Michael Vick basically introduced a running quarterback style to the league, uh, which has now been taken over by players like Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen. All those players um, tend to tend to run more than than we've seen in the history of the league. And Justin Fields is going to be added to that category in a little while um, because he he's also a running quarterback. And I think that that's important, but I think that there definitely is a, a thin line between, um, like, I guess, too much running. And then, like, you have to have a, a healthy yeah. uh, throw-run throw balance. And I think that's something that Lamar Jackson struggles with a little bit. And he definitely gets way too much hate for, for running too much. Like, people are like, you mean Lamar the running back? Well, no, he, is, <laughs> he still has a good arm. Um, and he gets a little bit too much hate for it. But I think that he, he does struggle with it a little bit. And but I don't feel like that's the case with Justin Fields, and I feel like he he has a fantastic arm. He's he's played well at Ohio State. Uh, I just hope that the Ohio State curse doesn't come to get him, because uh, a lot of quarterbacks that quarterbacked at Ohio State have ended up being kind of busts in a way. Uh, you know, like you see JT Barrett, Dwayne Haskins, people like that. But but I don't feel like Justin Fields is going to be one of those. I hope he's not one of those because I'd love to see him succeed. But yeah, I like I, him. I like him better than Wilson. I mean, yeah, I just I mean, I do see what you're saying. And I do see Justin Fields' talent. And I also do think that schedule does matter. It's just that in Zach Wilson's case, I just felt like his talent just was so apparent that it outweighed it. And I do agree that Justin Fields is a really talented player. It's just I mean, I do have like my main argument against him is his awareness. And that's not like the argument that I've seen. I do agree. I do feel like the argument that uses previous Ohio State quarterbacks against him is unfair just because he is clearly a better prospect than all of them, first of all. And then second, you have all of these guys like Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, who were like the first in like forever at their schools to be really good in the NFL. So I don't feel like the school argument is very good. It's just my thing is his awareness on the field. And I do see his talent. It's just a lot of times you see him standing in the pocket for too long, waiting and waiting, not getting, not throwing the ball away, just standing in the pocket. And other times he'll escape the pocket too soon, just bail out from a clean pocket where he could have made a throw and instead maybe get like three yards on a run. Again, he is incredible in the running game. He has an incredible arm. It's very close to Zach Wilson's, but it's just his decision-making, but mainly his pocket awareness is what concerns me. But I do think, 
because he really only has like those two weaknesses, there's a wide range of outcomes for him. And I could definitely see him being really good in the NFL. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And um, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you said. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next guy on our list. I put Mac Jones ahead of Trey Lance because I feel like that is the consensus right now. And that is also, I would definitely, I would also put Mac Jones ahead of Trey Lance in general in terms of like NFL prediction success rankings. But I mean, I do, it's just because Trey Lance is just so hard to scout. But I think Mac Jones, he's definitely one of the, in my opinion, Mac Jones might be the smartest player, smartest football player in this class as a quarterback, just because he makes the right decisions consistently. He doesn't have like the greatest arm strength. It's very good. And it's actually very underrated, but it's not like Zach Wilson, Justin Fields type of arm strength, but he's extremely accurate. He goes through his progressions. He's a smart player. And he, while he's made just a pocket passer, he is very, very good as a pocket passer. And so I think he could end up having some success in the NFL as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think that the, the way that it's leading right now is that Mac Jones is going to go three off the board um, to San Francisco, who who still has held firm in their position to to or they haven't released a statement since they said that they they want Jimmy G to be their guy next year. Um, but as I as I heard you say on a previous episode, I feel like that could be uh, one of those things that's just like, are you sure? You know. But, um, <laughs> Like and it, they may just be saying that to kind of make the noise die down, things like that. Um, and I, I think that that definitely could be the case. And I have him going on my newest newest mock draft, which hasn't been released yet, um, third to San Francisco. And I think that that would be a decent pick because of the team. Like, who else are they gonna go with? Is kind of the thing. And I don't like. I don't feel like they just moved down and gave all that up just to do it, like just to have a better spot. They knew who they were, they wanted to go for. So, and they, and they've known since they made that trade with the dolphins. Um, and I don't, I, I don't think that they probably have changed their minds because the deal mm-hmm. has been done. Like, um, so hopefully there's been no damage done. I think that it's just, they, they have their guy at this point, which I think is Mac Jones. And I remember when Tua got injured, I think it was against Mississippi State uh, and that horrible injury, and Mac Jones had to step in the next week. Um, to, and then he had to play some good teams for the rest of his for the rest of the year. And and I was like, oh, this Mac Jones guy, I've got to I've got to learn about this guy because I don't really know him because he was the backup QB. <laughs> and it was one of those things where it was just like, all right, this is the guy that we have to we have to learn about now, and this is kind of the comeback story for Alabama is is this kid but now he was a Heisman finalist um and and he he's a first round pick in the NFL draft and that just shows how he's been able to transition and I think a lot of that goes goes out to his supporting cast and obviously his legendary coach Nick Saban um but that's also him I mean he definitely put in the work to to get to this spot and I think that he totally uh, deserves the hype that he's getting right now as, as a potential third third overall um, because he, he's good. I mean, he took national, Alabama to a national title this season, so he's good. Yeah, I mean, and his draft stock has definitely been soaring over the past month. And I think 
for just fantasy wise, obviously he's not a running quarterback, so he doesn't really have that like rushing floor. And I basically agree with everything you said about like his talent, but I mean, third overall to San Francisco, that's not too bad for fantasy. I mean, he's got nice weapons. He's got George Kittle at tight end, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk at wide receiver, and then just a slew of running backs who can just split time where he Mostert, Jeff Wilson, who are both talented guys. So I think even though Mac Jones doesn't have like that rushing floor, I feel like he should be drafted if he goes to the 49ers as maybe like a QB two in fantasy football. And then I, we talked about like Justin Fields, who if he goes maybe number four to the Falcons, I feel like that's like an ideal situation for him fantasy wise, but I mean, it all depends. I just don't really believe in his talent overcoming his flaws. I know Luke, you believe in him. And I do think there's also a wide range of outcomes, but uh, I mean, for those guys, I'll probably be generally avoiding fields and then maybe grabbing Mac Jones as a QB too. But I mean, I'd want to hear where they, you value them for fantasy as well. Yeah. For fantasy with Mac Jones, um, I think that, that he would be a, a pretty good steal to take as long as you know that he's going to be the starter because if he's not going to be the starter, then there's really no point. Like, why would you yeah. take a gamble on him or why would you take a quarterback for half the season? Um, so if he goes to a spot where he's not going to have to compete, then I think that he would be a good pick in, I don't know, like four or five, six range um, round-wise um, as a backup quarterback. Um I think that he would really, really work in a good role there. But I, I can't emphasize enough how much you need to know that he's going to be the starter. If they keep Jimmy G and he's going to have to battle it out during the preseason and, and, and training camp, then it's just not a good move. So Yeah, that's true. That's also something I should have mentioned because, I mean, it does actually seem like it is quite likely that Jimmy G does start at least some of the games next year. I mean, I guess what I said was just based on Mac Jones being – the starter if you know he's going to be the starter I'm good drafting him as a solid QB2 but I mean yes obviously there's a ton of questions with Jimmy G and the 49ers still seem to like him at least somewhat yeah and I I think that um I I don't really feel like Jimmy G was given a, a fantastic shot with the 49ers like yeah they they gave him a huge contract and maybe that may have been a mistake but one of the things is like, does he really deserve to be replaced or traded? Um, because he took them to a Super Bowl, and then the next year he was kind of injured. Like, the, well, that was this past season. He was he was basically injured all throughout the season, so that definitely explains why he wasn't playing his best in the games that he did play. So, like, why don't we stick with this guy? Like, why don't why don't the Forty ers stick with this guy? Is what I don't really understand. But Matt Jones is also good. Like, if you're trading up to three in the draft, you've got to take the the guy that you know is going to take you back to that Super Bowl game. So, I, I, Calvin, do you agree with me there? Like, they, I don't feel like Jimmy G was, was, is, like, a guy that they have to move on from. Yeah, I mean, I do agree. It, he did – he took them to a Super Bowl. I mean, obviously, he wasn't the guy that took them there. But with their great defense, they could potentially get back there again with Jimmy G – And yeah, I mean, he was hurt for a lot of last year. He probably wasn't at his best and he's a fine quarterback. And I don't know if Mac Jones is that much of an upgrade from him. I feel like he is just kind of a better version of Jimmy G, but with some risk involved as well. So, I mean, but I mean, the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan's a smart guy. 
And so if he's trading up to three, it's possibly just trading up for Justin Fields, which would make some sense given that Fields is like a different type of player. But if he's trading up for Mac Jones, he must see something in Mac Jones that we're missing that would make him like potentially elite in this league. That's what I have. That's what I feel like that's what has to be going on. Yeah, I, I initially thought about the possibility of, of Fields being the guy that they traded up for, but that would be a totally different style of offense for them. And I, I think that that could definitely work I, with Fields, but I feel like Mac Jones at this point, after all the buzz and after all the speculation, Mac Jones makes a little bit more sense than Fields, but, but both are, I, I don't want to say interchangeable, but like, I don't know, like, both are viable options, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Um, it Fields is, I think, the one that definitely carries more risk. But, yeah. And then just – but, yeah, I guess Mac Jones, it, it does – it's uh, – this situation is so weird. It doesn't feel like there's, like, a perfect solution. But, I mean, just in general for fantasy, since we don't really know their landing spots, I feel like we have to know Mac Jones is the starter before drafting him. And I'll be avoiding Fields, but I won't fault you if you go after him based on just his, like, his talent that he's shown. All right, so the next guy on this list is Trey Lance, and he played in Division II last year at North Dakota State. Actually, he only played one game last year, but the year before that, he started for the whole year. But he's only started 17 games in college, and that plus his play in Division II makes him one of the toughest quarterbacks to scout um, for next year. I I definitely think he looked really good uh, at North Dakota State, and I do like his talent, but it's going to be tough. He only played Division II defenses, and while he played them, he showed his mobility, he showed his arm strength, he showed his awareness. I think the main knock on Trey Lance was his footwork, which definitely needs to be cleaned up. But I mean, he's a dual threat quarterback with a good arm, and he's a good ac- he's an accurate player, and he makes the right throws, which is why I do, which is why I like him. But I definitely. It's just so hard, going to be so hard for a team to pick him, I feel like, just because he has so much bust potential. And that's what's also going to make me avoid him in fantasy because I feel like he might be just, more than anything, a project who won't really do much in year one, even if he will be good. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that that that's for the, for the reasons that you just talked about is why that I, I'm trying to stay away from Trey Lance um, some of the mock drafts have the Broncos, my team, picking Trey Lance, and I, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I wouldn't like that pick at all. I, I just don't, I don't like Trey Lance a lot because, I mean, I know that he was, he kind of proved people wrong in high school, but that was high school, and he got recruited to North Dakota State. Um, and yeah, there's just, there's just, a little to like and a lot to dislike about Trey Lance. Um, he, he was, he was, uh, he's only, would you say 17 games? I think he started 17 games. Yes. Yeah. And in the FCS, he only had one game this season where I think he went 16 for 30 is what I think I remember hearing. Yeah. Um, against, uh, I think it was Western Kentucky or something like that. So, uh, I, I just feel like there's not a whole lot to, to like about him. And there's a lot that you can say, oh, well, I don't think that he's, he's going to be okay because of this. And I, Oh, I don't think he's going to be all right because of this. And, and I, I think that it's not like one of those things where it's just like, Oh, you're buying into the hate. No, it's mm-hmm. just like, we're listening to the reasons of why of, we're listening to the speculation. And I think the speculation is, is, is fair. Yeah. And 
it's just it makes him tough to scout. But I mean, I'm just I do like him though. It's not like I, I know I do see your concerns, Luke, with him. I do I know that he obviously doesn't have a lot of experience. I know that there are other concerns as well. But here's what I do like about him. He's a hard worker. That has been clear, which is, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's obviously been some concerns with, I'm just thinking of the last North Dakota state quarterback before Easton stick actually, but Carson Wentz, who has had some attitude issues. I can't really don't, I mean, I've definitely seen some things leaked out about that, but Trey Lance seems like the type of guy who he is actually kind of comparable to Wentz, except that he, I mean, he is very comparable to Wentz and I won't say except, but he's, a dual threat quarterback. Um, he isn't afraid to be physical. I mean, he's not actually very physical, but he isn't afraid to be physical. And I do think, and again, he has a good arm, but he is a hard worker. And I feel like he's been grinding. He's one of those players, like you said, disrespected in high school, been grinding his whole life. And I know he's in division two, but there's a reason that he's being talked about as a first round quarterback. And that's because I feel like he's shown enough in division two and yes, he did struggle in that one game in 2020, but I do also think that that was that game also had immense pressure because it was his only game coming off of so much rest. He was probably rusty, and this is like the only game where NFL scouts have actually attended and watched him like close up. So, I mean, obviously there's a lot of pressure involved there, but I do see your concerns with him. And for fantasy football, that's why, I mean, I would probably avoid him. And I think the guys we're going to talk about next as well are not guys that I'm looking for in fantasy this year. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the rest of the guys that we're talking about um, might be a little bit less fantasy, maybe maybe some long-term stuff, uh, definitely. Yeah. So, and, and Kyle Trask, the next guy is, I mean, actually, I don't really know. I don't really feel like Kyle Trask is going to be fantasy relevant in the future. He's probably a second-round quarterback prospect, and I feel like he's just like a worse version of Mac Jones because he is Mac Jones in a sense, except there are two main differences. I think his arm strength is definitely not as good. He is a little bit more mobile, but the the thing that I, I feel like he relied on his playmakers a lot more than Mac Jones, both Kyle Trask and Mac Jones, as we know, had great playmakers. Mac Jones had Najee Harris, Jalen Waddle, Devonte Smith, Kyle Trask had Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony. But I feel like the main differences between the two, when we watch them on film, is that Mac Jones, he wasn't relying on his playmakers. He wasn't consistently like throwing up 50-50 balls for Jalen Waddell to go get, just giving it to Najee Harris every single time, not like throwing screens and letting Devontae Smith do the rest. I mean, obviously there was some of that, but there was also him just making the right throws, making them pinpoint and letting his, uh, giving doing the work for his receiver or most of the work for his receiver. And obviously Devontae Smith helped him out and Jalen Waddell helped him out. But his throws were pinpoint, and they were um they were putting his receivers in position to do well. Meanwhile, Kyle Trask, his offense involved a lot of throwing screens to Kadarius Tony, throwing 50-50 balls to Kyle Pitts, which is good for the offense, but it remains to be seen for me if he can succeed on his own without weapons. That's not as much of a concern with me with Mac Jones. Yeah, I I, I... I, I'm not trying to say that Kyle Trask should go ahead of Mac Jones or anything like that. That would be insane, <laughs> um, and fantasy wise and in the draft. But I, I like Tra- Kyle Trask a ton more than anybody else uh, that I've seen on Twitter and Instagram things like that. Uh, this was of December 23rd, 2020. 
Uh, I put together a couple of these stats. So Baker Mayfield, who won the 2017 Heisman versus 2020-2021 Kyle Trask. Uh, keep in mind, Trask played 11 games, all SEC competition. 4,125 yards, which is about, quick math here, which is about a, a little bit over 200 uh, less than Baker Mayfield. But, I mean, Mayfield had more games. Uh, the same amount of total touchdowns in 46, same amount of interceptions at five. Uh, Baker Mayfield lost to Houston, still won the trophy, um, and Mac Jones competed for the SEC title. And they didn't play well that game, but Florida had a pretty pretty decent year. Um, and, and they they went into that uh, bowl game basically playing with their practice squad. Uh, Tony was out. They had Mark, Marco Wilson, I think it is, um, out. Uh, Kyle Pitts was out, so so that was tough for them. Um, but all SEC competition, he was still able to put the, put up those numbers, um, and I, I I put those numbers together, and I, I think that that I'm not saying that he should have won the Heisman, but I am saying that that come and I I thought about the draft when I put those numbers together was like this this might help his draft stock are, is these comparisons with Heisman contenders when he placed fifth and or fourth in Heisman voting, so. So those, that I found very surprising that he was putting up those kind of numbers in a year with less games versus tougher competition. They didn't have any out-of-conference games. Um, mm-hmm. So, except for Oklahoma, who's still good. So so I thought that that, that was a little surprising that, that he's being looked at as a second or third round player. Um, but for fantasy-wise, I think that he has a good ceiling, but but as but this year, don't touch him. He will yeah. probably he'll probably be a backup in his rookie year, anyways. Yeah, I mean, and for fantasy wise, like if the quarterback's not like being drafted in the first round, they're usually not going to be relevant for fantasy. But yeah, Kyle Trask is just so interesting because I don't think he's a bad player. I definitely think he is not worse than a second round prospect. He is at least a second round prospect. And I mean, watching him, despite the things that I mentioned, he still did look pretty good on film. And his analytics profile is very good. And like Luke said, he put together those numbers that were very comparable to Baker Mayfield in his Heisman year. I just don't know if those college stats are going to completely translate to the NFL. He feels more like, I mean, I said Mac Jones is like a better version of Jimmy G. I feel like Kyle Trask might be Jimmy G or like a little bit worse. He feels like a guy who's like a borderline starter slash backup in the NFL. And I feel like he would be ranked higher in a QB class that isn't as strong, like maybe QB four in a different class. But I mean, it's, it definitely doesn't help him that there are like five quarterbacks who are supposed to be in the first round. But at the same time, I just don't see Kyle Trask as being a guy who I don't like see him having the potential to become like a type of like a star type of player. Yeah, I agree. I, I just don't, especially in the first year, uh, I don't see him being a, a star or a starter. Um, but long term, I totally could. I think that it, it really, really, really relies on where he goes, I, where he where he ends up in the draft. And that's going to be one of the storylines of, of night two is where where does Kyle Trask go? And I think a lot of people have forgotten about him. Um, after Florida's loss in, in the bowl game, but but he's still out. He's still out there. He's still doing well. Uh, I didn't look about anything about his pro day because I think that pro day was pretty much dominated by tight end Kyle Pitts. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I, I do really like Kyle Trask, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I, I see where you're coming from for sure. And uh, I probably like him a little bit less than you. But I mean, I understand for sure why you would like him. And I understand why he could be potentially being overlooked just as well, just with all these great quarterbacks. Um, Before we uh, finish up the episode, there's just three guys left on here who, I mean, maybe we should briefly touch on. These guys aren't going to have much fantasy relevance. I think we've pretty much established like that out of these six that we already talked about, I think Justin Fields could have fantasy relevance. I don't necessarily think he will, but I understand thinking he will in his talent could put him in position to be a fantasy stud. I think Trevor Lawrence will be relevant this year. Zach Wilson could be, and Mac Jones could be depending on if he gets the chance to start. But I think we've set both agree that Trey Lance and Kyle Trask, at least this year, probably won't be relevant for fantasy football. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. And then these last three guys, I don't think will be either, but these are, I did, I've done film profiles on the top six that we just talked about. I haven't done them on these guys, but they're Kellen Mond, Jamie Newman, Sam Ellinger, sort of the next tier of quarterbacks. Kellen Mond is a guy that Chris Sims really likes. I know that, but I mean, in the spotlight, he has struggled to be consistent for both his team and just putting up numbers. He had a 63.3% completion percentage in his uh, final year in college, which isn't bad. His numbers don't look too bad, but um, I just, it, it, there's a reason he's a middle round quarterback. And I do think there's maybe the potential for him to be like a Dak Prescott where he comes out of the middle rounds out of nowhere. But I think, and maybe he's being overlooked in this quarterback class, but there are some concerns about him, his ability to show up consistently. And while he does have arm talent, it's just like the other six guys that we mentioned are far more complete prospects in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I I like Kellen Mond. I think that he reminds me a little bit of of uh, Watson, um, just the way that he's he's able to run and pass at Texas A and M. And I think Texas A and M may maybe should have uh, been been considered a little bit more for the college football playoff. Um, just kind of throw in a change uh, with the college football playoff, a much needed change. Uh, and they were not happy with with not being in the in the playoff, and I forget if they won their bowl game or not. Um, I feel like they didn't. Uh, yeah, let's see. I can go look. Um, yeah, that's what I'm they, Oh, to... they beat UNC in the uh, Orange. Bowl. Oh yeah, they were down, and then they came back because I remember seeing like a couple people joking about how they said that they wanted to be in the in the playoff, but then ended up losing their bowl game. So. Uh, but they but they actually did win, so that's that's interesting to hear. Um, and I like I like Maude a little bit more than other people, but I'm interested to he- to hear what you think. What round do you think he's going to end up in? Oh man, I mean, I just he might drop. I think he's going to drop further than he should, just because of the strong quarterback class. But I mean, he I think he did have a good Senior Bowl, but it's consistency. Ah. <sighs> Probably probably round four. Late round four, I'll say, is where Kellen Mond will probably go. I could see round five as well. One of those two is where I think he'll go. Not necessarily. He might not necessarily be deserving of that. He might be a round three quarterback in another year. But just because there's six guys that are pretty clearly ahead of him for most people, I'm going to put him in round four or five. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I think that he will end up going in round four. Um, and I think that that the, pe- the people are really considering him 
or considering the drop off between like the guys that we talked about earlier uh, to the guys that we're that we're talking about now is a little less than people are saying, which mm-hmm. the only person that that really doesn't that that hurts is is the guys that we're talking about. Um, but it it is helping the team kind of look at the draft differently this year. Um, and see like where can we where can we pick up Mon in and will he be available uh an hour from now? Will he be available tomorrow? So uh from a GM standpoint that's gonna be very, very interesting to see. Uh, but I, I definitely see round four. I don't I don't know about round five. Maybe he will end up falling to round five, but round four I can, I think is gonna be where he lies. All right. Yeah, I can see it for sure. And I definitely think that's probably the most realistic round for him to go in. But he is definitely locked into being drafted. And I don't know. I feel like the last guy, Sam Ellinger, he might be a round seven guy. He could slip it down to there. But Jamie Newman, I feel like, is a better prospect overall than him. So we can talk about him first. Uh, Obviously, a graduate transfer from Wake Forest who actually didn't end up playing a game at Georgia because he opted out. But his 2019 season at Wake Forest was the only year where he really like played a full year. And, I mean, his stats aren't bad. 2,868 yards, 60.9% completion percentage on 220 completions, um, 7.9 yards per completion. So, I mean, those are fine stats, and I think he has some holes as a prospect. He's also a rusher as well. He had 574 rushing yards. He's obviously He meets that demand of being a dual threat which is something that people want in today's NFL. And that's why I think he's going to be drafted, but he's definitely a complete project. And having not played outside the ACC, he's very hard to trust for the NFL. Yeah, you went over to Sam Ellinger, right? Or no, that was Jamie Newman. Oh, okay. Yeah, Jamie Newman. Um, yeah, I like, I, I, I like Jamie Newman, but I... I... I said to Calvin before the episode, I wish he wouldn't have opted out because I really like, I really would have liked to see him play in that SEC competition. Yeah. Um, because prior to that, he was playing at Wake Forest, uh, and I really would have, really would have liked to see him play uh, with with the Alabamas and the Auburns and the and the LSU's and people like that. Um, and plus, he would have been on national television much more. But I, I, he's he's kind of my question mark for the draft. Is just like is is his college play at, at Wake Forest going to transfer over well in into the NFL? And that's my and that's my question mark. I don't have an answer for that yet. So that makes it really tough to talk about his fantasy, his fantasy outlook, especially long term, because um, I've got to see what he's going to be able to do especially in the preseason, because that's going to be kind of his showcase, because um, I would assume he'll go to a team where he's going to end up being the backup for a bit. So I could see a ton of scenarios happening with, with Newman, but I just I have no idea which one it's going to be yet. Yeah, and it would have been nice, to make again, like you said, to see him playing SEC competition against national, on national television, but that's going to make him impossible to trust for me just because he didn't. And I still think... Uh, He's probably a round five or six guy for me. I feel like Ellinger is the guy that's just going to keep, he's the guy who's going to keep being passed on and passed on. I mean, he could honestly be undrafted, but I'll, I'll say he goes in round seven and I guess we can move on to him. He's he actually started for about three and a half years in college and he's just been, he, he, he ah, 
it's tough. As a Texas fan, I do like Ellinger a lot. He's been one of the better quarterbacks we've had in a while. But it's just it's I think he is it, he has trouble like consistently win against especially against like a good team just for the whole game consistently like leading us up to a win. There's like so many mistakes that Texas has made even when we've been a good team. And so like obviously we had that impressive win over Oklahoma State, but he's still I, I he did show I won't say he doesn't show up in big games because in that uh New Year's Bowl a couple of years ago they defeated Georgia, but he's not like consi- he hasn't been consistently good enough and he doesn't really feel like an NFL type quarterback either. Like Texas doesn't really run like a pro style offense. It's kind of there's a lot of like QB draws, QB keepers just up the middle, which I mean, obviously at the NFL does look for dual threat players, but Ellinger isn't really consistent enough as a passer, even though he has improved as a passer for him to be anything other than a round seven guy for me. Yeah, I like Ellinger um, a little bit, probably less than you considering you're a Texas fan, but. That's another question mark for me, and a lot of these late-round guys, regardless of what position they are, are going to be question marks for me, especially at the quarterback, because there's only one starting quarterback on a team, obviously. Um, but I, I, I really don't know about Ellinger, because, um, like, one week he can be having a 400-yard, four-touchdown game, and the next week he can have a 200-yard two touchdown game or one touchdown game. Um, the inconsistency is a question for me. Um, initially, the character was a question for me, but now that I've actually like looked at more stuff that he's done, uh, like interviews and so forth, that's kind of gone. That's that's kind of gone away um, for me. Uh, yeah. But it initially was, um, and I, I really tried to not throw around that loosely because I feel like I. I can't judge a guy's character until I really know like that he's done something or that he continues to do something that's that's uh, that's consensus. Mm-hmm. Everybody would agree that that's not a good thing to do. Uh, but initially it was for me for Elliger, but it's not anymore. Um, but but the inconsistency is is really something that I that I look at a lot. Yeah, and yeah, he just doesn't really feel like very pro ready. And so, and he's definitely, for me, the worst out of these nine that we talked about. There are some other quarterbacks that we could mention as well, but I think these are probably the nine most relevant. So I guess that wraps it up, unless you've got anything else to say. No, I don't think I do. Thank you for having me on, Calvin. Yeah, it was a pleasure to have you. Why don't you just uh, let the listeners know where they can find you once again um, Yeah, on your website or YouTube or wherever. Yeah, I'm in the process of getting a domain to make my uh, to make my website lbsportstalk.com, but you can find it at lb underscore sports talk on Twitter, Instagram, um, and you can find my podcast there. You can find my articles, which uh, give you uh, the main goal of my articles is just to provide as much information to the common sports fan as I can to make you ready to do your fantasy drafts, to make you ready to to right now work on your brackets, um, which will at this point, almost everybody's bracket is toast. <laughs> uh, but earlier I did game by game previews of every game of March Madness. So I try to provide as much information for the common sports fan as I can. You can find that again 
at LB underscore sports talk on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and just find the links and everything there. All right. Yeah. And then, so make sure to go check that out. Uh, if you want to follow our podcast on Twitter for updates, as I say, at the end of every show, you can follow it at SGF pod. I'm on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF. Luke is at LB underscore sports talk. Like you said, and Chris, my usual co-host, is at Chris underscore SGF. He should be back next week, barring any complications for the running back preview. Uh, and our live show, Second and Goal Sports Talk, is at SG Sports Talk on Twitter. We're currently looking into uh, up expanding it to a different platform. We're looking into YouTube, Twitch, different things. We're not really set on anything yet. I'll give you guys, we'll, if you follow us at SG sports talk on Twitter, you can see the updates as we post them to what's going on with that. But right now it's sort of on a little hiatus as we look for a uh, streaming platform, but make sure to follow us on Twitter at SG sports talk for all the updates about that. Um, but yeah, this was a fun episode. I enjoyed it and we got to talk about some quarterbacks and yeah, it's always fun talking about the draft. And um, so, yeah, I guess that's all for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, follow us, Twitter. Follow Luke on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.